0: You know, one of the things that preachers oftentimes do is serve on boards and committees for various mission organizations, camps, colleges, things like that. And one of the things I've been blessed to do is to serve on the board of a mission that's at work in Zimbabwe, uh, Africa, for several years. And the group I was with merged with a larger group. And so for a while, I was, I was on this board with a bunch of people that I had never met. And in fact, we met for a couple years but we were never in the same room. We were always by Zoom because we were spread out between Ohio and Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, Arizona, some even in Zimbabwe, and so we were always by Zoom, and I sort of felt like I knew these other people, but then last November, we all actually got in the same room at the same time, and I was amazed how my perceptions and relationships with all those people that I thought I knew suddenly changed. Like I felt a connection that I would never have just on a computer screen, right? And so, you know, it's true with our relationships. We just don't develop deep connections with people unless we spend time with them. Those relationships are developed over a span of time when we spend time with those people. And I think that has implications for our spiritual life as well, right? I mean, we can't really get to know Jesus as our Savior. We can't get to know God unless we spend time in the presence of God. Now, we're not going to be in the physical presence of Jesus like they were in the first century, but we can experience God. Now, that's that's one truth. Here's another truth. I don't believe anybody in this room is here this morning by accident, right? Like you weren't just driving up Webster Street hoping to find some place to stop. This was as convenient as any, so you walked in here this morning, right? I mean, you came here knowing why you were here. Now, the reasons we're here probably vary. I mean, there's some of you, maybe you're here for the first time or maybe the first of several times and you're exploring what this church is about. Maybe you're exploring what faith in Jesus is about. You're trying to figure that out. I'm glad you're here. I hope there's something that is said or done today in this room that will be meaningful to you and will carry you on that journey just a little bit further. Maybe this is just what you do. I mean, on Sunday morning for decades, maybe your whole life, you've come to church on Sunday morning and it's part of your routine, part of your life. You feel lost without it. You like the connection with God and with other Christians, and I'm glad you're here too, and I hope there's something that we do that maybe takes you a step further. And then there's probably some folks in the room who, if they were like really honest with me, would say, you know what, the reason I'm here is because someone I love wants me to be here. Like my spouse, my kids, my parents, a friend invited me. I love them, so I showed up to make them happy. I, I don't dislike it, but I'm here, right, because of them. I'm glad you're here. And I hope that maybe, maybe even if you're not expecting it, there's something that takes place that sparks an interest and maybe helps you see something that could change in your life that God could do for you and with you. Now, here's another thing. I think most of us would agree, regardless of the reason we showed up here today, that we would all be a little better off if we knew God better. Right? Now, I, I don't know exactly where you are in the journey. So we're in different places. So maybe you're not all in on that, but you're a little bit in on that. Or maybe this is just part of your life but we would agree it'd be better to know more about God. Well, for the next few weeks, what I want us to do is to take all those things, this sense that we gotta spend time with someone to know them, we're gonna spend some time in the presence of God, learning who he is through the life of Jesus. We can really only get to know God through Jesus, and we only get to know Jesus by studying who he is and being in his presence in prayer. And so, for 50 days, We're going to do that, and it starts today. So I'm calling this series 50 Days with Jesus. We're going to study the Gospel of John. We're going to do that through a reading guide. There's little cards all the way through the building. You can pick one of those up. If you mark through that as we go along over the next 50 days, you'll get through the whole Gospel of John, hear the story of Jesus' life, and I'll be teaching on those uh, stories as well over the next few weeks. But today, we begin at the beginning. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about a piece of literature, a book. The Bible is a set of books. It's not one book, right? So we've got 66 different books. What we call John is a gospel. Now, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They tell the story of Jesus' life, but you'll notice that we don't refer to them as the life and times of Jesus. We don't refer to them as a biography of Jesus. Now, there are biographical elements in the gospels, for sure. They tell the story of Jesus' life, but... They tell it for a reason. The gospel writers, the word gospel just means good news, are writing to present what they believed was the best news in the history of humanity. The most important events that had ever taken place are what they described. And they wrote for a reason. They wrote to convince you and me of some important truths. Now, if we take John, for instance, what we find is that John wrote for a specific reason, and in fact, he tells us that reason. And so to understand John, I think we actually got to go to the end of the book. We'll come back to the beginning in a few minutes. But the end of the book informs everything we're going to talk about for the next 50 days, okay? So turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 20, because that's where John tells us why he wrote. Now, in John chapter 20, what we find is that almost everything's already happened in the life of Jesus. Well, We have his whole ministry laid out. We have his last week. We have his death, burial, resurrection. There's a few stories in John chapter 21. But mainly everything's happened. And John says this, beginning in verse 30. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, right? Because there's just not enough space to record everything. But these... All the stories I've just spent 20 chapters telling you about, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So in John chapter 20, verse 31, he says, Here's the reason I'm writing that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God. He wants to convince you of something. And so he tells all these stories, tells what Jesus taught to convince you and me and everyone who reads this book that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So what is he saying about Jesus when he uses those two titles? Messiah, anointed one. It means the King. So I want you to believe that Jesus is the King, the one that The prophets of Israel had talked about hundreds of years earlier. The one that the people of Israel had been looking for for several hundred years, that person is Jesus, and he was supposed to redeem Israel from all the problems that they had. Now, Jesus was both less and far more than what the people were looking for. They were looking for a political leader to come and reign over Jerusalem, throw off Roman oppression, all that is what they expected, and Jesus came and proclaimed a totally different kingdom, the kingdom of God, God's reign on earth, with him as the king headed into God's future, all right? So it was not exactly what they expected, and yet, he's the king, he's also the son of God a human being who has a special relationship with God that no other human being in history has ever had. Last week, we talked about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is John sort of pointing to that thought that Jesus is God's Son, part of God himself, okay? Unlike any other human being. He's going to drive that point home even more in chapter 1. But I want us to catch that reason for this gospel this is what we're we're all about in this series that we would believe that jesus is the messiah the king the son of god and that by knowing him we would have life and when john talks about life he means eternal life he means life with god for eternity praising him okay so if that's your goal your goal is to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. How do you start? Right now, how do you open your gospel? What, what do you begin with? Now the gospel writers do different things. Matthew and Luke both start with Jesus' birth. Now, they tell that story of Jesus being born. Now, they do it in different ways with different details in the story, but the outline is there. Matthew does it. If you read through Matthew 1 and 2, what you find is Matthew keeps saying, The prophet said this and this happened. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy. So he's saying, Even before Jesus was born, he fulfilled what the Old Testament prophets said would happen. So he brings all that forward in him. Okay? That's Jesus. It's Matthew saying Jesus is the Messiah, the King. That's his way of beginning. Luke also tells the beginning of that story. Mark just charges in like he always does. He's all about action. And so he starts with Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus by calling the people to repentance. John opens the whole story in in an entirely different way. John 1, 1 through 18, which is our reading for today. Okay, if you did that reading, it's, that's the passage we're in today. It's not so much story as it is what, what the scholars call a prologue, an introduction to the rest of the gospel. And he does it in a way that speaks to a variety of groups. Because John is not writing to just one group. He's writing to Jews. He's writing to Gentiles, writing to people across the Roman Empire. In some ways, he's writing to us. And so he opens it in a way to to speak to all those people. But when we read it, we might wonder at first. So John chapter 1, verse 1, and this is how it goes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And some of you are thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about, right? And that's okay. Because we do have to always remember that The Bible, the newest parts of it, were written a couple thousand years ago. And when we read literature from that long ago, sometimes we need a little context. Here's the context. If you were a Jew living in the first century, whether you're in what we call Israel today or you're spread across the Roman Empire, as many Jews were, when they heard the words, In the beginning, they thought of one thing specifically creation. Because the Bible for them begins with, and the Bible for us too, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So immediately when they read the first words of John's gospel, their thoughts would go back to creation. And that's exactly what John wanted. Because if you read Genesis chapter 1, what you find is the way that God created was to speak everything into being. So God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Every part of creation, God spoke it into being. Now, if you look at ancient creation myths, what you find is that the gods create in all sorts of sort of crazy ways. I mean, there are gods who form things. There are gods who build things. There are gods who create through sexual acts. I mean, it's nutty stuff. But in the Bible, what we see is God called everything into being by his powerful, creative voice. In other words, he created through his voice. Word. Now you see what John's doing. In the beginning was the Word. God's creative, powerful voice. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're going to see a little bit of this in a minute where he takes it further, but what he's telling us right here is that That God's powerful, creative voice is a person. Who's that person? Jesus. Now, what if you're not a Jew? What if you're anybody else in the Roman Empire who might pick up this book? A friend has it, and they're a Christian, and they want you to read it. And you you don't know anything about Genesis chapter 1. You don't know anything about this God of the Old Testament who creates with his voice and that means nothing to you. Okay, you read this and you go, okay, in the beginning was the word. The word there in Greek is logos, okay? In the beginning, which is where we get our word logic. In the beginning was the word, and the word, the logos, was with God, and the logos was God. Now when you hear word, and you're a good Roman Greek Gentile, and you think about what that means for them, it was Reason, logic, it was really the force of reason that for them, this sounds weird, okay, but this is the way they thought 2,000 years ago, okay, reason and logic of God or the gods or reason and logic in general was this concept that held the whole of the universe together. It was the unifying force of everything around us. So what they heard when they read in the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God it was, wow, this, this force that is at work holding all life together, holding the whole universe together was there in the beginning. It's the Word and it's God. And we hear all that and go, man, John is, John is deep. And we think, man, that's a lot for James to lay on us on a Sunday morning. I'm still waking up, right? It's a whole lot. There's a a lot going on in John chapter 1. But that's not all. Verse 2. He, this word, this logos, was with God in the beginning. Back to creation. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So, John is saying, Listen, what I want you to know is this word is the powerful, creative word of God at work. It is this, for you Gentiles, the force that is holding the whole universe together. This word was there at the beginning, before everything was created. And everything was created through this word. Nothing in fact that exists was created some other way. It's all from the Word of God. And so what John is saying is, he's going to introduce us to Jesus a little bit later, but he's saying this Word of God that spoke everything to existence. You see, this Jesus that is the Word. He's not some really good guy that God chose. Like, let's look out in the world and find the best dude there is. It's Jesus. Let's choose Him to do our work. What John is telling us is Jesus, the Son of God, was there when God created. In fact, God created everything through Him. And it is through Him that all things are hold together. Jews and Gentiles, you get this together. What we're talking about is the very, the basis of all that is comes from this one that right now we're calling the word. It's what the scholars call the pre-existence of Christ. In other words, Jesus always has been. He didn't come into existence. He wasn't just born and God chose him. He was there from the beginning. Verse four, in him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The only reason there's life is because of the Word of God, Jesus. The only reason that we exist as human beings is Jesus. And that life is light. Now you'll notice, remember John wants us to have life in Jesus. That was in John 20, verse 31. So that theme of life comes all the way back to the beginning and runs through the Gospel of John. And for John, that means eternal life. So we we are born and we have life, but he's looking forward to eternal life. And he says that life is light and it can't be put out. I mean, the very existence of life is a light in our world, and it cannot be put out. It's like a a candle being lit in in a completely dark room. I mean, that light goes to every corner, and even though it's very dim, the darkness, there's no way it can put that light out or contain that light. It's just there, and that's Jesus. Now, I wish we had time to go through every verse of John 1, 1 through 18. You're glad we don't. So we're just going to go down to verse 14. We're going to skip ahead a little bit because this verse is key to understanding what's going on here. He says, the word became flesh. Jesus, the word, the creative word, the word that holds the universe together, took on human flesh, a body like yours, like mine. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Some of you know that the Greek that stands behind that is literally he tented down among us. Really vivid language for the first century when a lot of people still lived in tents. He tented down among us. He camped with us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now. Again, let's go back to the Jews for a minute. First century Jews, they hear about a tent, and then they hear about a tent that contains the glory of God. Guess what they're going to think of? They're going to go back before all the prophets, before almost all the kings, before Solomon the great king, to the time when God met the people in what was called the tabernacle. Guess what the tabernacle was? A tent. You see, the the tent was, the tabernacle was the meeting place of Israel and God. It represented God's dwelling on earth. It was the intersection of heaven and earth. And this was where people could behold the glory of God. And so what John is saying is, Jesus tended down among us. No need for a tabernacle, no need for a temple, because Jesus... God is present with us, and in Him we saw the glory of God. And how do you describe that? Full of grace and truth. You see, grace is always a gift, and the gift here is going to be a relationship with God. The gift is going to be eternal life. And that theme runs through John. The theme of life runs all the way through John. And truth runs through John, that Jesus is the ultimate source of truth, And if you don't believe that theme runs through John, read the the story of Jesus' trial where Pilate, who is standing there ready to sentence Jesus to death, says, what is truth? It's Jesus. So in this prologue to the Gospel of John, what do we learn? I think we learn that Jesus is God's way Of showing us who He is. we, We can't know the God who created the universe without knowing Jesus. Now, we have glimpses in the Old Testament. We have stories in the Old Testament. We have the creation story itself that says something about the nature of God. We have great heroes of faith in the Old Testament. And we have the prophets that tell us that Jesus is coming and that God is judging and all sorts of stuff. But none of that compares to Jesus. None of that compares to God's active, powerful, creative word, taking on flesh. None of that compares to this force that holds the whole universe together, taking on flesh, tenting down among us, and showing us the glory of God. So if you want to see God, the place to start is always and forever will be Jesus, the King, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then we have to make a decision. What are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with a God who shows us who He is? You know, the story of Jesus reminds us that Jesus is all the God we need, and if we're looking for some God that isn't Jesus, we're looking for something we've created, not the thing that really is. So the place to start is always with Jesus. And so I hope that today is the beginning of a journey that's going to last 50 days, where we're going to share together in learning more about this Jesus who came full of grace and truth to show us who God is, to be the word among us, to show us what the creative, powerful God that made everything and holds everything together is really like. So let's study John together. And by the end, I hope that wherever you are in your faith journey, you'll have taken a step, or maybe a few steps, to knowing this God better. Let's pray together. God, we've thanked you many times in this place, in this room, for the blessing that is Jesus, and we're thankful again. And we're thankful that John spent time writing this story down, and that you inspired him to do so, so that we would know Jesus, and in him find salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. And so God, we pray you'll bless us as we study this over the next few weeks, that the story of Jesus will impact us, and that we'll recognize that he's the King, the Son of God. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.